everybody and welcome to the EC Method. I am one of your coaches, Chloe Maidley. And I am your other coach, Emma Story Gordon. Our goal at the EC Method is to encourage, educate and empower you to get the results that you've always wanted. Listen to our weekly podcasts, go to our website, theecmethod.co.uk or simply follow us on Instagram to get more information. let me know but we're here and we have some great questions if anyone has anything live please do fire away I don't have that many to get through which is fantastic probably because it's just me and me and Chloe don't talk about random stuff for the whole time um but I did have something to say what should I have to say oh yes I had a very nice oh now I can't remember what they're called um Portuguese tart thing yesterday it was excellent and apparently the man on the boat told me that only four people in the world or three people in the world know the recipe so that's a fun fact for everyone um the other thing that came up that I wanted to go over because this seems to be coming up quite a lot is creatine good morning good morning you can hear me okay awesome oh yeah this is what yeah Maria this I had a pasta del nata de nata but it wasn't. It was a pasta de Belém, maybe, which is a special recipe that only three people know. So there you go. It was it was excellent, actually. And I had had one from Lidl before, and shockingly, the little one wasn't very good. But this one was incredible. Um, so, yeah, I enjoyed that. Right, I want to talk about creatine because it's come up a lot. I think a lot of people are a little bit like confused about it or anxious about it or like, am I missing out on something massive? And I'm going to give you, and this is what we always do really, like we're not dictators here on the EC method. I'm going to give you the information if you choose to take creatine, great. I'm not going to tell you to do it or not to do it. I think there's some people that are like, oh, I don't, or like, I don't know if it's becoming anxious about it or I don't want to take it, but I feel like I should, or, you know, very few people get some side effects from it. If that is you then don't take it. It doesn't mean that you then can never build muscle or you can never get results. If you can take it, I would take it. If you are veg- vegetarian or vegan, 100% I would be taking it. Because the likelihood is you're not only going to benefit from it much more than anybody else in terms of um, the benefits to performance and ability to build muscle via being that little bit stronger, meaning you can lift more weights, meaning that then hopefully you would hypertrophy more and build more muscle. But you will also probably get cognitive benefits from it. And that's because you'll get so little from your diet that you won't have saturated the benefits on a cognitive benefit level. Gosh, I'm very articulate today. But basically, most meat eaters will probably get enough from their diets to saturate some of the cognitive benefits. Now, there might be benefits taking a little bit more. We don't totally know. There seems to be an immediate benefit to cognitive performance. So things like reaction time, things like memory, um, little tasks that you can do that they do in research to show that your cognition is improving in the short term, if you're vegetarian, because you have such low levels. And creatine is not just used in your muscle, it's also used in your brain as well. So it is a good idea to take, even if you're like, "Mm, I'm not that fussed about building loads of muscle. Now, the other reason that we recommend it is because there's loads of evidence behind it. Most supplements don't have much evidence behind them. And it's cheap. And 
there are minimal if any side effects I think the only ones that now and again come up are sometimes people have like gastrointestinal distress fancy way of saying like a bit of stomach ache after taking it there's two things you can try there um well one thing really and then just not taking it (laughs) if it's that bad like just don't take it but you could just try taking it instead of taking say five grams take a smaller amount or take it in two different um amounts so like let's say two and a half grams in the morning two and a half grams in the evening and remember as well that this doesn't act acutely so although it's in a lot of pre-workout it's not something that you need to take before a workout or necessarily after a workout you can take it at any point during the day it doesn't really matter if you miss a day again not the end of the world your stores won't like be completely um what's the right word gone <laughs> probably not the right word but you won't you won't suddenly have like no creatine source because you didn't take it for a, for one day but if you just try and take it consistently over time but also don't stress out if you missed one day for some reason um, and as I mentioned, it's cheap, it's easily, it's easy to get your hands on. Um, I would just go for creatine monohydrate. Some people take it in pill form, some people take it in powder form. It doesn't matter. It's the same thing. I prefer the powder because the pills are absolutely huge. Um, but it's completely up to you. And yeah, usual dose is about three to five grams a day. And again, like as I said. I think we talk about this quite a lot because it's one of the most research, well-researched supplements and one of the only ones we can really say like, yes, this is probably a good idea to take this. But I will, like, I always like people to think about like the magnitude of effect here and then like the cost benefit. So for most people, there's very little cost and there's a lot of benefit. But if you're like, oh, it really upsets my stomach, then actually the cost for you is quite high given it's painful and the benefit is relatively small. Like, the magnitude of effects of taking creatine isn't like the difference between being in incredible shape and not being in incredible shape. And the point is a lot of people are like, oh, I took it. I didn't really feel anything. You won't feel anything. Like it's quite subtle. Like it might be that you could lift like another two reps, but who's to say that you wouldn't have been doing that anyway if you'd just been training hard, right? But it's probably going to add that little bit more to it. So it's, you're not suddenly going to feel like superhuman, um, but it's just a good thing to have in your diet and it is in your diet already so it will more to the point if you eat meat it's in your diet already and actually Catherine had a really good stat on this and now I can't remember it but it was like she looked up that mackerel had the highest amount of creatine per gram or something but that you'd have to eat like a ridiculous amount of mackerel and now I can't remember exactly what it was but it was like a disgusting amount <laughs> to get in enough creatine to saturate your creatine source which is why people supplement with it because you'd have to eat a lot of meat um, and that wouldn't be particularly enjoyable or good for the environment so I wouldn't particularly suggest that okay um Jessica well this just reminded me to take my creatine forgot to take it with my brekkie done now well done okay uh, morning Emma finally getting my mojo and wanted to start off some workouts this week at home but as to what to start with and what order should I do them can you help please so the home workouts are actually labeled I think one to five so I would just start with one but to be totally honest it doesn't really matter where you start it just matters that you start and I guess this is an interesting like psychological thing because there's like an element of overwhelm there, right? Of like, oh, there's lots of workouts. I don't know which one to do. And there's almost this temptation of like, well, if I don't know which one to do, I'll just not do any. It literally doesn't matter. Just pick one. 
it doesn't matter you don't need to be anywhere near perfect you just need to start so pick one do one whatever one you like the look of you may as well start at number one but to be honest it doesn't really matter um and just do it Tanchan goes off to drink creatine um she got through the airport security well done babe very impressed with that Emma, really struggling with weight sessions and slipping back into cardio sessions. Any suggestions? Well, okay, so you're here. So I'm going to ask you a couple more questions. Why would be the first one? Like, is it an enjoyment thing? Is it because you think that you're not working as hard during resistance training? Is it because you're like, oh, I'm used to being hot and sweaty and getting my heart rate up? Is it because you're worried about weights? Basically, we need to figure out why you're slipping back into cardio sessions before we can come up with a solution it's much like when someone's like i'm overeating a lot um what do you suggest well depending on why you're overeating a lot will be the solution like if it's because you're really hungry okay maybe we need to look at your food choices if it's because you're really bored okay maybe we need to find you something else to do if it's because you're surrounded by food all the time in your environment and you're working in your kitchen or you know somewhere where it's easy to get food then that might be something that we need to change. If it's for emotional reasons, then that would be a different way of approaching it. So it really depends on like the, the reason behind it. Now I've done that spiel, you've replied. So that's worked perfectly. I enjoy cardio and can run forever, but my strength is terrible. Okay, I get that. Now you absolutely don't have to not do cardio. Like we are massive advocates of anything that you enjoy. If you enjoy it, great, like do it 100%. Like I'm not taking away any exercise that you enjoy and I think like finding exercise that you enjoy is one of the most important things to make any kind of lifestyle change long term right so if you enjoy running run but there are unique benefits to strength training that do not come from running so actually being able to build muscle via strength training is a really important thing for your health for your longevity especially as a woman as you age your bone health your muscular health, your metabolic health, like all of these things are really, really important. So it's still important that you do it. And I know you know this, Emma, but the only way that you can ever get better at anything is by doing it when you're not good to then get good. Like people don't start good. You need to start when you're quote unquote, I'm sure you're not terrible, right? But let's say when you're terrible in order to not get terrible and then to get good and to progress. And I get that that's the hard part, but you need to work through that bit that's like, a bit uncomfortable and isn't all that enjoyable and then you'll become better at it um so that that would be my advice and I would keep like commit to doing it it will the only way is through like you have to just push through the bit where you're like mm, I don't actually enjoy the gym that much or I feel a little bit, little bit uncomfortable like I don't know what I'm doing the only way you'll know what you're doing is to push through that and work through that so make sure you're still committing to doing that but some people like to take more of an approach of like a minimal effective dose of exercise so oh sorry not exercise resistance training or generally exercise but in this situation you might be like I actually don't enjoy lifting weights but I know the benefits to lifting weights so what I'm going to do is is like three times a week just 30 minutes I don't really want to do dumbbells so I'm just going to stick to machines like and I'm going to push myself and I'm going to do something basic that I don't really have to think about now this is completely individual because some people are quite motivated by that. And they're like, okay, if I don't have to think about it, I just go in, do a couple of machines, three sets of 10, push myself. Fine. Other people don't find that particularly motivating. So if you're, if you're someone who just wants to like get it done and get the benefits, but doesn't enjoy it, 
you might want to look at more like what's the least I could do to still get the benefits here whereas other people are like so for example Kanchan are probably like what's the most training I can possibly get away with um, while getting the absolute best results I can possibly get and there's no right or wrong it just depends on like what you enjoy doing and what your goals are at the time I guess um, so that might be something to consider Catherine, morning, no questions. Portugal looks amazing and you both look like you're living your best lives. Yeah, we are. And it is like, it is amazing. It's so beautiful here. I've never been to Lisbon before and it's very, very nice. I was thinking last night, so when we, we had an amazing day yesterday, like what, what did I do in the morning? I think I worked a little bit during the morning. Yeah, I did. I went and worked a little bit during the morning and then we went to the gym and then we went to Belém and had these pastries and then we went on this boat tour and it was amazing. But we got back and then we had dinner and we got back and it was like half 11 or something. And I was like, I have to do a podcast <laughs> because it had to be out the next morning, which is fine. But I guess it's a good example. It made me think of it. it's a good example of like compromise, not sacrifice. And actually you can kind of do all the things and fit it in to an extent, I hope, unless I burn out at some point. But, you know, I'm feeling fine at the moment. But if you want to do everything, like there has to be some give and take and it might mean that you have to get up early or it might mean that you have to stay up a little bit later and do these things same with your exercise like it's not that you can't go and eat a pastry or like go and do all these things but it does mean that yeah maybe the next day you eat a little bit less or you make make the effort to get up a little bit earlier so that you can get your steps in or you can get a little workout in before the day starts and I think those those little things and like to me I was like would it make a difference if I didn't have a Monday podcast going out I mean, probably not, right? But I've promised myself that, that every single Monday there's a solo episode on my podcast. And so I'm not going to let myself down with that. Like, should I have been more prepared? Yes, I should have. But in this situation, I was not. So I made it happen anyway. And I think like setting yourself those standards and holding yourself to those standards of just, I mean, it's not a hard thing to do a short podcast every Monday, but still being like, no, I said I was going to do this and I promised myself I was going to do this. And I make very few like serious promises to myself, but that's one of them. Then I don't want to let myself down on that. So I make sure that I don't. And you, you probably want to have things like this, or I recommend that you have things like this with your, the way that you're approaching diet and exercise. So sometimes I look at this as like, what's my, again, like minimal effective dose or what's like my yeah, minimum targets versus my optimal targets. So I call those non-negotiables. And sometimes I think they've been misinterpreted to like, my non-negotiables are like my maximums, but they shouldn't be, they should be your minimum. So let's say normally you'd get in 12,000 steps, right? But my non-negotiable every day is 8,000. Like I have to get in 8,000. And if I get, and these numbers don't matter, right? They might just, I'm just picking them out of thin air. It might be for you that non-negotiable is 5,000. And you want to get 10,000 on a really good day. But actually, if you get above 5,000, you tick the box. If you're not there, like that's a promise you've made to yourself. So you're going to make sure that you are there. And actually, maybe you would do something like go for a walk after dinner, even though it's raining or something like that, because you've promised yourself that's your non-negotiable minimum target. Same with workouts. You might be like, my non-negotiable is to do two a week. Normally I do five, but like I'm going to get in two. And I think like having those minimums as like standards for yourself is really good. And it really helps with consistency as well. You're like, well, I'm going to do my bare minimum anyway. And on good weeks, I'll do my optimum. And on the tougher weeks, like I know I've still ticked those boxes. And that's what really helps you move away as well from this like all or nothing mentality of, 
oh, well, I can't hit my 10,000 steps at no point doing any, or I've not been to the gym yet and it's Wednesday, so I may as well wait to start next Monday, which again, makes absolutely no sense, does it? But if you have these minimum targets of, okay, it's Wednesday, I've not done a workout, but I've, set, I've said to myself that I will do two workouts every, every week consistently. So although I'm not going to hit my optimal this week, I'm still going to hit two. Okay, um, Jessica, I would really like to work on my pull-ups. Would you recommend doing banded pull-ups or just use body weight and jump up into the position and slowly descend? My lat strength is appalling. Um, I would do banded, I would do assisted, and I would also do like more lat pull-down as well. Um, a lot of people love the eccentric. So that's essentially what you're doing is like jumping up and then you're slowly lowering yourself down. So you're like eccentrically loading your lats. And I've mentioned this a couple of times with actually people that I really respect and strength and conditioning and no one can really give me a good answer. But I'm like, why is it that the only exercise that we would do that on to build strength is a, is a, a pull up? Like normally we're looking at concentric strength, right? So that would be pulling yourself up. But so many people when they're practicing pull-ups or like trying to get their first pull-up, it's like, no, no, just go to the top and slowly lower yourself down. You wouldn't, you don't really do that for push-ups. You wouldn't be like, right, just go to the top and then just really slowly lower yourself down and don't do the pushing phase. You'd be like, oh, let's make the pushing phase a little bit easier by putting your knees down. But the only exercise I've ever seen like blanketly recommend that the way that we should progress this is by eccentrically loading the lowering phase of the movement is a pull-up it doesn't make much sense to me so I always suggest people do band assisted I mean do that as well why not right but I wouldn't focus all your efforts on just doing the eccentric part and then do some lap pull down because lap pull down is the same motion as a pull-up um but and also even just hanging there is quite good as well because you're hang you're holding your body weight and you get used to holding your body weight and one thing that people struggle with a little bit is like the swinging with pull-ups. Same with leg raises. You'll see when people do leg raises, a lot of the time they, it's like they're struggling to keep their hips in place. And a lot of that is like the core strength. And it's not just core is in your um, core strength as in your uh, like ab, ab and core area there, but more like actually your lats holding you in place so that you're not swinging when you're doing the leg raises. So try those things. And then the number one tip I have for this, which is so underrated and so obvious, but practice it more frequently and be specific. Like the number one rule of training, there's like five principles of training, right? Um, the first one is specificity. Sometimes it's actually mentioned last, but anyway, the, I think the most important thing is specificity. Like if you're like, oh, I really want to do some pull-ups. So what I've been doing is lunges because actually lunges help with my core strength which I think man whatever no do more pull-ups if you want to get good at something do more of it I really wanted to get good at pull-ups so I did them every single day I wouldn't recommend starting with doing that you might do them every other day or something because you need your body to recover but at some point you're probably your muscles will probably be used to doing them enough that you can do them every day and you'll still recover from them but I would be making sure you're not just doing them for example once a week because you're probably not going to get good at something if you do it once a week think about how you would learn if you were like oh I really want to do I really want to learn to speak French you wouldn't be like yeah the best way to do that is just to do one do it once a week no you'd be like oh, what actually what's going to be way more effective than that is like 10 minutes a day or 10 minutes every other day I'm going to hold myself to doing that so the frequency is important as well okay 
Hi, newbie here, possibly asked this question in the wrong place. I have a question, read full fat and sugar-free. You haven't, I've got it here, but I'll read it out here anyway. Um, I was just getting to the live before I got to the question post. If anyone's listening on the podcast and there's weird pauses, it's when I'm drinking, because normally I can drink when Chloe's here, but it's not here. <laughs> okay. Um, I have a question, We full fat and sugar-free. Previously, I was always steered towards low or no fat products, e.g. yogurts. But now I'm confused as I hear you should be having full fat as no fat is full of sugar. What do you recommend? Great question. And again, there isn't like a right or wrong answer here. I'm going to give like a few examples of this. But when I think of full fat things, the, I guess the negative side of it, or not even a negative, but the consideration you have to make here is that full fat things will have more calories in them. And even if, even if like they had replaced gram for gram, the fat with sugar, then fat is like nine, well, isn't it? Fat is nine calories per gram and sugar is four calories per gram. So, or carbohydrates, which are a form of sugar. Sugar is a form of carbohydrates even. Um, so you are going to like full fat things will have higher fat content. And then also when you're eating a lot of fats, you need to be quite careful of portion sizes. So as you've probably noticed, I'm quite a big advocate after an initial period of kind of like not anally tracking everything. Like you don't need to be like weighing out cucumber or things like that. Like you can eyeball things, right? But when it comes to fat, it can very quickly add up. So things that I might not recommend people eyeball would be like, oh yeah, just just put on some olive oil. Like just a, like, a, I don't know, a, what do you even call that? I was gonna say a dollop, a, a pour, whatever. But that can be like that can double the calories of something like you could quite easily have like 200 calories of olive oil and think it was only 100. And then if you do that with a couple of high fat things a few times a day, then actually, you know, you can think that you're eating really quote unquote healthy and that you're in a deficit, but you're not. Or you might be eating really, again, quote unquote healthy foods like, oh, but for my snack, I just had hummus and and, um, carrots. But if you're not actually like considering the portion size of the hummus you can like you know you can eat like a whole tub of hummus which is quite an easy thing to do and then be like shit that's like my calorie allowance for the day how much calories are in a full tub of hummus how many calories are in a full tub well this says 40 so that's a lie maybe i'll have to go to Um, hummus, Tesco. Right, 200 grams. Okay, a quarter of a pot of hummus from Tesco is 115 calories. So I've definitely not got my calculator out, but that's like 460 calories for the full tub. So, that, and if you're just thinking, oh, you know, I just had some carrots and this and then, and then that's like 500 calories later. So things like that, you do need, you need to be aware of them. You don't need to be like over analytical of them. And then how I normally choose what I'm going to have full fat is like, what's my thing? Like if I, some people might be like, I don't really mind cooking with fry light, you know, the like spray 
frying pan, like I'll have a stir fry and I'll put fry light in it. And I don't really notice whether I've used olive oil or, or fry light or like some kind of cooking oil or fry light, fine. Or you might be someone who's like, oh no, I really noticed that. And actually I really enjoy a stir fry that's made with oil. Okay, that might be your thing. And other people might be like, oh, full fat Greek yogurt tastes like heaven to me. Cool, that's your thing. And other people might be like, oh no, I don't really mind having 0% Greek yogurt. And I just put a load of fruit on top of it. Okay, sure. You might save calories in some places for your preferences in other places is the point I'm trying to make. Um, in regards to your question as well about should I have like no fat products, but then they've got more sugar in it. Sugar isn't inherently bad. So if your worry is, oh, I shouldn't be having too much sugar, then that would be something to consider. Like if you're staying within your calories, if you're getting your fruit and veg in, if you're hitting your minimum fat target, if you're, what else do we ask you to do? If you're hitting your protein target, then, you know, if you have a little bit of extra sugar that's in a low fat product, like not a problem in the slightest. I wouldn't be stressed about that at all. And I would kind of just make sure you're hitting those targets and whether you want to pick things that are low fat or high fat for different reasons for your preferences, that would be what I would let dictate these things as opposed to worrying about like the specific sugar content of something. Okay, Kerry, first time using your VJ last night and it was trans transformational. No, seriously, I'm very glad it was transformational. A lot of people say that about my VJ and um, I'm glad that you got to experience it, Kerry. Chan Chan, you work so hard, so have to have a full day out with one of your best friends is well-deserved, but you got the podcast in. You exemplify living in line with your values, Emma, eating her own cooking. Oh, thanks, Chan Chan, you babe. Okay, Anna, with you definitely on, on working what my minimum is with exercise. My ideal would be four, and some weeks I do this, but three weight sessions is my minimum with a couple of runs, which I really do enjoy and never used to. And yoga, again, sometimes I used to and not really like it, but now I miss it when I don't do it. Yeah, perfect. I think having like, I guess I would call them, you can call them non-negotiables or minimum targets or whatever, but like, I see it as like standards for yourself. Like my standard for myself is that, I at least get out for one walk a day, which means I'm at least going to get X amount of steps or I at least exercise my body two times a week or three times a week. And again, like don't, you have to take this in because some people will be like, well, what if you're injured or what if you've got COVID? You still have, no, of course not. Like if it's out with your control or if like logically, you know, actually I shouldn't be exercising this week, then that does not come. But as, as like a standard for myself, then yeah, like these are the things I want to do. And unless there's a really good reason not to be doing those or that there is a reason that I should actively shouldn't be doing them, then I'm going to get them done. And those are the standards that you hold of yourself. Um, Kanchan, Carrie, I'm a bit scared to buy it because I know I may become addicted to Emma's VJ. Shall I surrender? <laughs> uh, Jessica, that's great. Thank you. I have a band and a bar at home, so I get to work on it every day. Oh, absolutely love your attitude love it okay Jan hi hope you're enjoying your holes I have a I have dodgy knees and although I've been doing 10,000 steps nearly every day they can quite get quite sore can I use indoor slash outdoor bike to get the activity up not going too strong but similar heart rates going for a walk yeah that's absolutely perfect and well done for looking for a solution not just being like can't get my steps in I'm just going to give up like okay I can see that steps are just 
a way of expending energy in this context, how else can I do that without hurting my knees? And if you can cycle and it's not as painful on your knees, or you might try things like the elliptical might not hurt that much or swimming, you'll find a way to make it pew. And there is always a solution. And that sounds like a great one. What I will caveat this with, only because I experienced it yesterday, is we cycled to Belém from Lisbon, which is like, I think about 5K. And it was, the, so all the bikes here are electric. And I've been on electric bikes before, but these were like, basically like a motorbike. Like you really didn't even really have to move your legs. It was amazing. So anyway, if you're cycling on an electric bike, then unfortunately, no, you can't, you can't do that. Uh, Catherine, a drizzle of olive oil. Yes, I should have looked at that comment earlier. And that is exactly what I meant, a drizzle. But some people's drizzles like a little bit different than others. So, you, you know. Um, Gary, is too much VJ a bad thing? No. Uh, thank you for answering my question, Emma. This is exactly what I thought. So good to know I'm on the right track. Yes, you're doing perfectly, but always here for the reassurance. Okay. Where's my little thing where I was like, I got to here. Oh yeah, here we go. Okay, Catherine. Totally missed the live, darn. Bit of a long one. As you know, I got my period back after increasing calories to 2000 and have focused my goals for this around this round on actually getting my body quote unquote healthy as opposed to just lean and understanding HA better. So hypothalamic amenorrhea, which I will probably only say once because it's a bit of a mouthful. So from now on, HA. Um, it was a mate. And by the way, that just means, well, it doesn't just mean, but like means losing your period in this instance. It was amazing when I started to research it and I have all the other symptoms, even when I have my periods, low resting heart rate, always cold, always constipated, low libido, low energy, etc. In reality, I think I've restricted calories most of my adult life and I think I need to stop and nourish myself. But obviously I don't want to put on fat. I've decreased steps from 10,000, sorry, to 10,000 and calories are at 2,000 with 30% fat and workouts are three to four times a week at home with weights. Is this right for maintenance or should it be higher? Okay, there's a few things here. So firstly, I just want to point out like how impressed and happy I am to hear that you want to nourish yourself. And I think actually broadly for everyone, that's the approach we should be taking. Like there's too much focus on like, sure, calories are important, but that's part of nourishing yourself is, well, I don't want to overnourish myself like, or not overnourished, like, I don't want to overfeed myself, because that isn't nourishing, and I don't want to underfeed myself, because, again, that isn't nourishing, like, the point here isn't to starve people, it's to help people thrive, and that means fueling yourself with healthy, nutritious food that you get to eat, and you get to put in your body, because you deserve it, and, like, that's the approach you should be taking, so it sounds like you're getting more into that headspace, but I do think constantly reminding yourself of that, especially if you're someone who's always, like, looking at calorie amounts of foods as opposed to looking at yeah sure the energy density of this matters but also how's that going to make me feel how's that going to make me perform how's that going to like impact my body is this a healthy thing to be putting in my body like do I want to like yeah basically all of these things like how will I feel fueling my body like this okay and then you've asked about like is this okay for maintenance and it's a hard question to answer because if you're maintaining your weight there then yeah that's okay for maintenance it sounds like for you we might want to be like erring on the side of just above maintenance for a little while 
which may actually interestingly then become your maintenance partly from you being a slightly bigger person and partly from like increased activity that often comes with being at around maintenance calories um, as opposed to being in a deficit um, so maybe edging that up a little bit if you know that your weight is stable at 2000 I probably have you on like 2000 to 2200 ish and then let's see what happens after a month of being consistent there your workouts sound fine steps sound great but again like when anyone asks questions about maintenance is it is trial and error in fact all calories are trial and error and now and again we only had one person this round but people get a little bit like oh I didn't get personal calorie target set and I'm like nobody can set you a personal calorie target that is perfect all you need is a sensible starting point. And then what you need is coaching. I think people get annoyed about that because it's not something tangible right now. But it's like the only way you know what works is to try something, try something sensible, which we've given you, and then adapt as we need to adapt. But you cannot possibly know what works until you start. And that's what we're giving you as a starting point. So with this for maintenance, that sounds like a sensible starting point. Let's see what happens over the next month. And if we need to adapt things, we will. And again, life is always about adapting. There might be times when you're injured and maybe you don't need to eat as many calories or you change career and now you're a postwoman and maybe you need more calories because you're doing 40,000 steps a day or something ridiculous. So we always have to change these things. I mean, more likely than that is usually people change from like being a waitress to working in management and they're sat down more or something like that. But that's what coaching is about. We make it work for you. Okay. Maria. Hi, Emma. Two questions on resistance training. One, hand grip on deadlifts. The grip on my left hand wears off much earlier than on the hand, sorry, on the other hand, and way earlier than any signs of muscle fatigue. I started using straps and was told by an OG in the gym to try mixed grip. I have to admit it works better than the straps for grip purposes, and it's taken me quickly to 80 kilograms. Wow. But it doesn't look right in the mirror. My shoulders seem to be pointing in different directions. It looks and feels super imbalanced. Am I seeing, am I setting myself up for injury? What are your thoughts on mixed grip? For heavy weights, avoid carry on or to alternate with straps, straps only. Most people suggest that you alternate the grip. So like if you're doing mixed grip, one hand over the top and then one, and then you switch which hand is over the top. I don't know if you'll find because one of your grips is like less grippy than the other, weaker than the other, um, that maybe one way is easier than the other way, but that's normally what people suggest just so you're basically to even you out, right? The other thing to consider is that maybe you're not using your straps quite right. And I say that as someone who kind of struggles to use straps. I remember not using them for years because I was like, these do nothing for me. And actually they're just annoying and get in the way. But when you use them right, actually, they should be really, really helpful. Um, so make sure you're doing that. You can just Google like how, how to use straps. Or if you have an OG in the gym, maybe he can even show you how to use them. Um, but that that would be my suggestion or might even be the, the kind of wrist straps that you have that maybe aren't like working for you that well or you've not tightened them quite well enough. Um, so I would consider those. But it, like in answer to your question, like if you setting yourself up for injury, I think if you alternate, it's totally fine. Not a big deal. Two, barbell hip thrusts. I love this exercise. At the current load, around 100 kilograms, I get bruised and it 
and it hurts the bones, even with the, the pad on. There's a plated glute drive machine at the current gym and I've been using it instead. However, I don't feel glutes firing up in the same way. I'm missing that good old side glute burn. I've modified factors like the stance, knee, angle, toes initially and in combination and I still don't feel the same. I think this might be, this might come from the inclined surface where the feet are and this cannot change. I want to progress with the weights and enjoy it. I do love the glute burn. So how can I balance this? Should I alternate between the two, e.g. every two weeks do lower reps, high weight on the glute drive and higher reps, low weight with the barbell? Also, any thoughts on glute drive versus BHTs? Oh, barbell hip thrust. I very much appreciate it. I am more than happy for you to use the machine um, I think mixing up is good. It will probably, I mean, it sounds like you can even feel that it's working slightly different muscles. I think with the GHT, sorry, BHT, um, the hip thrust, make sure that you're holding the, the bar to you so you're not like banging it against your hips as well. Because normally that helps, but you might just be like, I'm just going to do higher reps on it. So and, and yeah, like exactly what you said, do lower reps on the machine, but just do higher reps. And I don't think there's any problem doing higher reps unless you're reaching fatigue or you're not reaching failure by like 30 reps, you're still going to get great hypertrophy response from higher reps. And so I don't think you need to really worry about that. I would just increase the reps on them so that you don't have to add too much weight. Um, okay. Hi, Emma. I'm a newbie. I finally signed up after listening to and loving the podcast for so long and I really enjoy actually being part of the team now anyone listening there you go there's a tip for you um just wondering if bench press I have four kilogram dumbbells at home would be a good alternative to press-ups every time I do press-ups I can feel the ligament in my elbow catch the joint and ping off gonna get it looked at by the doctor but but I just wanted to see if there was good alternatives so I can still do something. Hmm. Can you send me a video of you doing push-ups? Because it might be something to do with form as well. You can absolutely use your four kilogram dumbbells, but they're not going to be half as effective. Like imagine how much you're pushing up with when you're doing a push-up compared to four kilogram dumbbells. Like it's not really an alternative. Um I mean, it is an alternative, but it's not going to give you the same stimulus on the muscle. And push-ups are such a good exercise. If you can do them, we want you to do them. So it could be that your elbows are kind of pointing out a little bit and we can work on your form. So if you could get a video, that would be incredible. And I can see. Um, okay. Ellie, hi. Curiosity question. I've been lifting weights for many years and wondered if it would be possible that if I make good progress on shredding a decent amount of fat, I might discover some decent muscle that I, that had been quote unquote hiding. I'm 30 to 34%, I'm assuming body fat, did some DEXA scans a few years ago. What sort of body fat percentage would enable one to see some good muscle definition? Well, in answer to the first half of the question, like if you've been lifting weights for years, there's definitely muscle under that fat. So yes, if you diet, and this is a, a far better place to diet from, is if you've spent years building muscle and then you diet. And I think 
like not to make this about me, right? But I think that's why I was able to get in good shape pretty quickly because actually my background was years of athletics where we did a lot of strength and conditioning training and then years of rowing where we did a hell of a lot of strength and conditioning uh, training. And I was fueling myself really well, if not slightly too well. Like a lot of carbs went in there, a lot of, like a lot of food. Then I was pretty heavy for me. I think I was up near like 70 kilograms and normally now I sit at like 60 kilograms. Um, but then when I dieted down, had a lot of muscle because I'd spent genuinely years building it. And that's how long muscle takes to build and you need to be feeling it. So it sounds like you're in a great position to diet if that's what you decide you want to do. In terms of body fat percentages, I wouldn't even bother looking at it. It doesn't matter. They're not, I mean, I'm going to say they're not accurate. DEXA scans are pretty accurate, but you're not going to get multiple DEXA scans and there's no need to. Like, who cares what your body fat percentage is? There's like there's just no reason to know it whatsoever you want to look a certain way so we we would diet and lose body fat and who, if you look how you want to look who cares what body fat percentage that is you don't need to know it i would not bother getting a dexa scan for literally anyone outside of research i don't see why it's, anyone would do it you just take progress photos and then you can sort of gauge body fat but you never need to know numbers um so yeah that's exciting if that's what you decide to do uh okay what have we got here maria the straps work i just progress so fast with mixed grips thanks i'll uh, alternate the grip okay perfect right well we're up to date on both the live and the question post um so oh i wonder what that says <laughs> um so i'm gonna i'm gonna oh right there's a question here hold on yeah if anyone has any questions fire away i'll be here for five minutes unless nobody does and then i will be back on thursday this week because on friday i have a talk uh okay hey i was talking to you last week about my arms being very sore when i tried to straighten them the pain got worse and kept got worse kept my steps but stayed away from the gym and then went to the physios you advised for a very sore session it was a trapped nerve the next day the pain was way less and today it's gone oh that's great delighted back to the gym now today for legs to give myself a chance yeah great and I would stick to although the pain's gone like stick to lower body for at least a day or two and then ease yourself back into upper body and I'm really glad that you went to see the physio but that is excellent and well done for being sensible because it's really hard like it's hard to be sensible when you just want to get on with stuff. Um, so good. Okay, excellent. Have lovely days. Oh, and if you've not done, this is what I wanted to say at the start that I forgot. First week of the EC method. So well done for getting through your first week. If you have not done your weekly self-assessment, it is now pinned to the top of the Facebook group under the featured section, which they keep changing the name of, but now it's called featured. So there you go. And go and do that. It's so, so important. Like get a cup of tea, sit down, reflect on your week. If it's been, and I know it's harder to do it on a tough week where not everything went perfect, but actually those are the weeks that you learn the most from. And, you know, assess these things instead of just like either wallowing or just quickly moving on be like, okay, so last week was tough. And the reason it was, I mean, like I missed my workouts and this, this and this, like, why did that happen? How can we make sure it doesn't happen next time? Honestly, one of the keys to successful people is they review their mistakes. 
is they're like, oh, okay, so this pattern keeps happening. Like every weekend I'm overeating. Okay, how can I make sure that I set myself up this week so that next weekend I don't overeat? Or how can I save some calories during the week so that actually I can make sure that I can have that really nice meal out without going over my calories? Or I missed those workouts. That's because I actually didn't plan ahead and I just kind of thought things would fall into place. And now I've realized <laughs> that's probably not going to happen. And I have a busy life, so I'm going to have to plan for it this is where like the weekly review really helps. And if there's things that are coming up, it also often brings up questions for the lives. So if you've done the review and you're like, oh, it keeps coming up that, you know, I keep doing this. I wonder why that's happening. Or maybe I could ask Emma about this, or maybe I could reach out for some support on this. It's really good for you to work through these things and then be like, this is where I need some coaching. This is where I need some extra support. This keeps happening to me every single week. How can I make changes here? So please, please do that. Really, really useful. Um, Laura. Brad reset and check-in have really helped me this week. There you go. There's proof from Laura. Thank you very much for the, the additional, um, oh man, I've got no words today. Support, reassurance, don't know. Confirmation, Maybe, oh, I don't know, I don't know what it is. Okay guys, I'm gonna leave now.